Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on January 12, 2020. The role of the systems task organizer is part two of the eight-part worship series, A Fresh Start. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts chapter 13, verses 26 through 35, and Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. My siblings, you descendants of Abraham's family and others who fear God to us, uh, the message of salvation has been sent. Because the residents of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize him or understand the words of the prophets that are ready every Sabbath, they fulfilled those words by condemning him. Even though they found no cause for a sentence of death for Jesus, they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they carried out everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to our ancestors he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As to his raising from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I give you the holy promises made to David. Therefore, he has said in another psalm, you will not let your holy one experience corruption. And here are these words from Jesus in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to see me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a person building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a person who who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue our worship series, A Fresh Start, by looking at the second of the three primary leadership components. These are about how we lead, how we fulfill the mission of the church together. Now, over 100 people, I think it's maybe 106, have now taken the uh, primary leadership components assessment And it's one of our MCCI assignments. That's the Missional Church Consultation Initiative. It's the program we're using as a church to prepare us to launch into our next life cycle. You can still take this online. There's a link on our website, richfieldumc.org slash MCCI. And there's also paper copies available in the commons. I would love for everybody in this church to please take that assessment. Last Sunday, we talked about spiritual shepherds. The people who help the church ask, why is this God's purpose for us? Spiritual shepherds offer spiritual care for the church in good times and tough times. You bring the heart. Today, we define the second primary leadership component. I'll tell a story of a conflicts moment when I put that leadership component to use, and a member will share their conflicts story about this primary leadership component. So a reminder on the vocab, conflux moment, and that is conflux, which is C-O-N-F-L-U-X, conflux. A conflux moment is where your life's journey meets God's heart. 
It's this older word for confluence. It's often used when two bodies of water meet. So this stream and that stream merge or converge and have conflux. Conflux moments in life are powerful, undeniable, synergistic intersections between you and the heart of God. It's a living encounter with Jesus. It comes in many shapes. Sometimes we see it in the looking back. So a major moment that we've talked about here several times this year is in Acts 1 at the ascension, when all the disciples look up as they see Jesus ascending, and they have this conflux moment as they have to look right, left and look right and see who they are together as a church to move forward. You can go to the Older Testament, and you can see in Genesis, there's a story of Jacob on the run, and he has this dream about God and receives this assurance of love. And when he wakes up, he says, surely God was in this place, and I did not know it. It's a spiritual nudge, a a brief moment where you experience awareness of God's tangible presence or a spirit-prompted emotion, such as tears or happiness, hope, penitence, joy, and so on. God puts conflicts moments in our lives all the time. Are we open to them? Paul speaks with the Gentiles new to faith in this Acts story, and he tells the story of how Jesus was killed for how he lived and how he taught, how he was taken away, arrested, and then killed, buried, and then resurrected by God and how there's fulfillment in that. And there's an order to what happened. Paul is very precise with his order, and he shows that there's natural consequences all along the way, just as Jesus predicted and warned to his disciples this is going to happen. The Gentiles who hear this later in the passage, they become believers, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is a conflex moment in their faith. Paul opens the ancient story of the Israelites to them, and tells of Jesus and the resurrection that's for them, too. Paul's role here is system task organizer, speaking to this divine process that leads to new life. Let's look at the systems task organizer identity more closely in its role in the life of the church. The systems task organizer represents the necessary question to keep churches moving How will we get there? We need system task organizers who can offer tracks for the train so the train can keep moving. You contribute the grit. You're energized when there is an agenda to accomplish, and you can leave with defined assignments and tasks to accomplish. You're often the top choices for work teams because of your ability to be counted on to get it done. Does this sound like anybody in our congregation? Has someone ever said, you can get the job done? Does this sound like you? Are you a task-completed kind of person? You like the checklist. Do people trust you to execute the plan? I think about the system task organizers in our lives, the people who not only make the plan, sometimes they seem to memorize the plan. The people who can be accounted on to pay attention to the details, the people who hitch up their pants, dive in, and swim. The people so attuned to the process, they often end up in the driver's seat to make sure that there's organizational administration happening. Now, there's a risk to that. That can lead to less visionary fuel accelerating for upward swings of vitality in your organization. 
a system task organizer, they can find it difficult to, to loosen their firm and capable grip on how the organization has always functioned, however useful in the past, so that a needed new change can break through. Now, that would never happen in a church, right? However, a good system task organizer knows that plans must have nimbleness and adaptability in order to execute and transition. And if there's anything more challenging than transition, I have yet to find it. A system task organizer analogy that Reverend Sue Nelson Kibbe, the, the creator of the MCCI process, talks about that I think has a lot of merit is the track builder. These are the people who say, okay, you got to train, great. You know where you want to go, great. How are you going to get there? We got to build the tracks for this train if we're going to move forward. Jesus understands the need for this kind of undergirding as well. There's this parable he tells of the two people who build homes, one on firm foundation, one not so much. The river comes through, and like the storms of life, one person is ready and the other one not so much. Clearly one thought it through, the other not so much. Jesus relates this to how people hear what he teaches, but they don't follow what he teaches. Jesus says that for faithful living, a method is what you can do, or you could wing it. But one of those is going to be more successful in the long term. My system task organizer story is a complex moment from around three years ago. It was from November 2016. I was working on all my ordination papers to prepare to go before the Board of Ordained Ministry, at the time, I was a commissioned elder. Essentially, I had all the rights and privileges of a pastor in my local church, and I was commissioned, but not fully ordained. It's like probation, but they don't use the word probation. I was in my third year of doing that, and there are a lot of steps on the ordination track. There are interviews, projects, and lots and lots of paperwork. It's a multi-year process. When you're going to for the Board of Ordained Ministry to be commissioned, they're looking at your readiness for ministry. When you go before the board for ordination, they're looking at your fruitfulness in ministry. So the questions that you're responding to in your written papers are similar, but you better have new responses about new experiences about what you're doing as a pastor. These questions that you write on for your paperwork, they come from our book of discipline, and there are a lot of questions. Here's one example. How do you understand the traditional evangelical doctrines of repentance, justification, regeneration, and sanctification? You know, light fluff. <laughs> Everyday conversations, good party chatter. About a month before the papers were due, I was nervous. I was trying to figure out how am I even going to organize all of this stuff. I was given the gift of a 24-hour retreat. I didn't take a retreat. My spouse, Kelly, gave me the gift of a retreat where she said, go off, take your 24 hours, do the work you need to do. That way you're not a hot mess at home. <laughs> Maybe it was a gift for her. I don't know. But I went off for a 24-hour retreat, and it is amazing how the dots of life can connect in a complex moment. Before entering full-time ministry, I was a college English instructor for a few years. And I, I loved teaching college English, and of, of all the different tools I found most helpful for me in my life when it comes to writing papers, it's clustering. 
Has anybody clustered before where you try to maybe like write a one-word thesis word, you put a circle around it, and then you draw a line to a subtopic, and then another line to another subtopic, and you start to see how this branches out from generic to specific and nuanced. So I took my 24-hour retreat in a, in a little room in a retreat center with no TV and a very bad Wi-Fi connection, which was very helpful so I could focus. And I had big paper. And I wrote out the questions and responses, and I brought the papers with me. I still have my whole tube of all the papers I made. So I wrote out all the different questions that I needed to answer, and then I started to write out uh, clusters of different potential responses that I could offer in my written work and then subsequently my interviews. I also found myself creating a pocket of the scriptures that are really on my heart. And some of the concepts and people who have offered me concepts that have really moved me in my faith. And then some of the events that are in my life that have moved me in my faith or propelled me forward as a pastor. These basically are conflex moments. In fact, here I write them, I call them convergences. I wrote all, all of these, and after a day, I could step back and I could see the big picture. My theology and practice as a pastor across all these papers in this room. I started writing my papers after that, and it flowed. And here we are today. Looking back, my training as a teacher and as a writer prepared me for this, and so did an openness and commitment to getting it down on paper. And I was so grateful for this time with God to articulate to God and to me, and eventually the board of our day ministry, God and me. I'll leave these up. If you want to see Pastor Nate's theology, here's a bit of it in paper form. My life's journey met God's heart, and my conflicts moment was also a moment of playing the role of system task organizer to move to my next life cycle. Now, this is not a story about how I did really well, but it's a story about owning a moment in my life as a conflex moment, a God moment, and owning that system task organizer role. Friends, all of you this year are challenged to own your conflex moments, to love them, to embrace them, and to share them with other people. I'm glad to invite Susan Johnson to come on up here for a moment, please, to sh uh, share her story. Susan has played many roles in the life of our church. She's been an unpaid servant for our youth group. She was one of the coordinators for the Wesley Meals Outreach, and she's now on our finance team, and she's on our counter team as well. And last month, she retired from Wells Fargo, which is a heck of a major transition, retirement. So let's welcome Susan Johnson, please. Thank you for being here, Susan. This is so out of my comfort zone. <laughs> Are you rooting for her? <laughs> yeah, we're rooting for you. In ministry that you've done here, you're often on the organization or system building part of it. What do you get out of that? Well, I first read that as task-oriented. Hmm. If I had a vision, I couldn't see it through because I am task-oriented. So in task orientation, I always consider that as part of volunteering because you'll come from 8 to 10 or what have you, and you're done and you move on. Right. Um, as far as volunteering for the church, my first experience was at a funeral, helping clean tables. I got yelled at. I went home crying. Oh. So my that was note, at another church, right? That was 15 years ago. Okay. So okay. all is well now. 
And so Wayne got me to come back and try again. And as I speak of volunteering, it's really a partnership because Wayne and I do so much of this together. So my next stop was Wesley Meals, which Wayne started when uh, Warren Kirk was here. And so anyhow, we did that, and I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do that because I had never worked or been with a group of homeless individuals. I didn't know what that looked like, how I would be accepted. Well, we've been doing that for 20 years now. And it's gone well, and to the point where a lot of ladies in the congregation helped make hats for the group. We made over 100 hats, and they were gone in an instant. The next stop was youth group. Um, Wayne and I were asked to help with youth group. I said, well, I can't do that because we don't have kids. Eight years later was youth group. Um, recently was care ministry, so out of my comfort zone. And so I thought, I'll go. And I was assigned an individual, and I thought, hopefully after our half hour allotted time, I would make a difference in her life, or she would be happy. And it was quite the opposite. Um, I can't believe I'm not crying now, because I would leave, and my heart was so full. And then, obviously, on finance, and a few other things along the way. A lot of stuff. Yeah. All good stuff. And a lot of systems in that. Yes, definitely. So you told me about a conflict moment you had concerning money and the life of the church. What happened when you were a child and then later as an adult that made this complex moment? So Nate asked me this question earlier, and it gave me time to think back on it. When I was a child, I went to Catholic Church, was one of the largest congregations in the Midwest. My parents gave $2 a week. I thought, huh, that doesn't seem like much, but I had no idea where this $2 a week went. And I thought they could maybe give more, but I, I really didn't know. But as I thought about it, you know, coming here and being a counter, people gave a lot more than $2, but I also realized then where that money went. But as I thought about it, I think that's where I got my background, if you will, in volunteering, because my parents probably volunteered 40 hours a week at the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that was their $2 and then some. Yeah. So it made me realize the two really go hand in hand. Right. So you just retired. Yes. What is it like going from a very systems-driven career to now being retired and, in theory, having a blank canvas with no systems? (laughs) Well, Monday was kind of my first, what I thought, real day of retirement because Wayne and I had done some traveling and stuff. I had a meltdown thinking, what made me think I didn't have to work anymore? I got over that in about 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) I don't like winter, so I'll stay home until spring. But I know I will volunteer somewhere. It's either going to be the school, most likely VEEP, which I had done before, which I was introduced through the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about working at Bachman's, but I don't know the difference between a flower and a weed. So volunteering will be the right track for me. Great. Uh, there's a church I know that could use some more uh, volunteers. Anyway. <laughs> and Susan, what is a dream you have for our church? The dream I have is probably the dream that everybody has, that we're here for a long time, we grow and prosper. I would say my wish for the church is as a community and as an individual, we all step out of our comfort zone and find a way to volunteer, something that warms your heart as an individual and can also help the church as well. Volunteering is a pretty cool thing, and if I can do it and sit up here and volunteer, I think everybody can do it. Awesome. Let's thank Susan for her witness and her ministry. Thank you so much. Put this up here. 
I have a call to action for you. Friends, if you need a financial conflex moment in your life, I want you to sign up for a new class we're going to offer in Lent. It's called Six Weeks on Money. We are going to be one of the first churches ever to do this brand new curriculum, and I've applied for and received an annual conference grant to get the ball rolling on this. It's really good. I've taken a preview of it. It has a theological take on how money is emotional and why that's okay, talking about eliminating debt, saving for the future, and redefining generosity as a declaration of freedom and joy. It's $80 to enroll, so save $10 a week until Lent, and you'll be there. And here's the best part, friends. $40 of your enrollment fee goes back to a mission of our choice, and we are selecting Veep. Friends, if 25 of us do this curriculum, that's $1,000 from our church for Veep. Look for the Heartline for details, and we do need hosts for these uh, small groups. Not financial experts, just hosts to keep the conversation going. Friends, the primary leadership component assessment is a window into powerful roles we each play in the church and how we arrive at complex moments in our lives. A complex moment is where your life's journey meets God's heart, and God puts complex moments in front of us all the time. Are you open to it? System task organizers, and there are a lot of you, you represent the grit of this congregation as we keep asking, how will we get there? We need you to keep building the tracks for the train for this congregation in good and tough times. You bring the methods of Jesus to what we do. Thank you. And may God bless you in this church in its next life cycle. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2020. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.